You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 10th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosperenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And today is a special episode of the podcast, an Orlando Magic Daily podcast with our good pal from Orlando, Pinstripe Post, as well as Saturday Down South, I believe. Uh, yes, Will, sir. Will Ogburn. Will, we want Bama. Can we get Bama, <laughs> yeah, that's, please? That's what we need to do is just get a big uh, We Want Bama sign um, at the Amway Center. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, considering Alabama is going to be heading to the Citrus Bowl. No, they're, no, they're not. No, no. They're <laughs> going to another Citrus Bowl. They're going to the, probably either the, the big game if they don't make the playoff or I have them in the Orange Bowl right now, but that's neither here nor there. My bowl projections are neither here nor there and probably completely wrong at the moment <laughs> anyway. But, Will, um, I wanted to have you on. You've been clamoring to come on the show, and I've been wanting to get you on the show, and so finally we're going to do it. And uh, we actually have a, a good basketball team to talk about. It's been a while since since the Magic have been over 500, um, you know, this deep into the season. I mean, well, I guess everything is they haven't been over they hadn't been over five hundred since January of two thousand sixteen. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're they they got a they got a they got a little ways to go to, 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 to meet that mark with the Scott Skiles season. But this Orlando team feels very different than that team. Uh seven and they're seven and four right now, getting ready for this big West Coast trip. We'll talk about all that coming up on the show. But what's been your general impression of the Orlando Magic through the first eleven games? Um, well, I think that, um, to use one of your terms, uh, Jonathan Simmons is the guy that serves the drink, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the Magic have a leadership that I think is not only the four most chill NBA players I've ever been around, but four of the chillest people I've been around in um, Alfred Payton, uh, Vooch, uh, Fournier, and Eric, or, uh, Aaron Gordon. And I feel like, you know, whenever... Over the years, their kind of calmness has been used against them. It said like, "Oh, well, they don't have fire. You know, they don't they don't care or whatever." And I feel like now everyone's kind of falling into the roles that they're naturally in. I feel like um, now that even keeled aspect of their personalities is starting to come through and really gel. And I think that I mean they haven't had their starting point guard for the vast majority of the season, so it seems like their success is sustainable in ways that that Scott Skiles team wasn't. Um, if you kind of like look up and down uh, the roster and the way that they've been playing, it's not just hot shooting. I mean, they're they're second in the league in a uh, three point percentage, but they also have just been running a great um, selfless offense. And I feel like it would be one thing if you know early in the season when they beat the Spurs and even before that, people were saying, ah, you know, these guys will never keep this up. Their shooting is going to cool down. But I think that their offensive philosophy is finally um, gelled in year two of Frank Vogel. And I think that uh, everyone just seems to really like each other. And they seem to be having fun, finally. Yeah, and, and of course, winning does have a tendency to, to make everyone feel a little bit better about things, as does making shots. But to, to go to go from a team that was shooting you know, 27th, 20, was 27th to 28th, 29th, 30th in almost every major offensive category to you know, top 10, I mean, the offense has fallen off in, in the last few games, and, you know, they, they had that, that little blip without uh, Alfred Payton and DJ Augustine in the lineup, but uh, to, to go from the bottom of the barrel to, to the very top in, in, in this league, and 11 games is not too insignificant. I mean, we're we're into this season now. I mean, I wouldn't say that the stats are normal yet, and there's a long, long way to go, and, and, and this road trip's going to be a big test for this team, but 
uh, to, to make that huge of a jump is still really amazing to me. Uh, it's it's a credit to the to the work that they've done as well as the the offense that they're running now. Like you said, um, we saw hints of this I think toward the end of last season, but did, uh, nothing nothing quite like this, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. And, and like I said, I think that it's uh, the new management a little bit. It's so hard to completely change your mindset in the middle of a year. And I think that that's, that's credit to Frank Vogel in having an offseason to prepare. And like I said, I mean, Jonathan Simmons can't be overstated enough. You know, you look at the um, the free throws, which have been Orlando's Achilles heel. Like me and Zach, um, the manager at OPP, used to joke about, he was like, we need to shoot more free throws. And I was like, who do you want shooting these free throws? Like, we, we were a bad free throw shooting team. They were bad at getting to the line. And the physicality of Simmons, I feel like, has kind of of just trick matriculated through the team and there are guys that you know Orlando used to be kind of seen as this very passive like soft like plotting team and you know I know it hurts to hear that but we can say it retrospectively because it's not true anymore you see that second unit comes in and there's some dogs in this team man and even with Judah um Jonathan Isaac you watch him play and you're just like wow like this is year one yeah I, I mean I, I think you know, one of the things that, that we always talked about with this team for so long was establishing an identity. I mean, the, the whole rebuild, you know, it, you know, Rob Hennigan would say, you know, we need we want to establish this certain identity. And, and you could kind of see the Magic trying to piece together an identity through the type of players they drafted. You know, Victor Oladipo was a defensive-minded guy. Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton were defensive-minded guys. The Magic wanted to be a certain kind of team, and it never coalesced. Um, in any in any way, and, and they always said, you know, we want to we want to do this, we want to do that, and it just it it never showed up on the floor. And so, you know, toward the end of last season, everyone was everyone was saying, you know, we want to be a team that pushes the pace, we want to be a team that gets out in transition. We you know, and, and they were actually doing it even if they weren't having the, the win loss success, and, and the bench had a lot to do with that, honestly. But the the magic now are. Would you say that they have an identity that 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 they have found a style that that fits them and 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 can and is this something that's sustainable? Um, I think so. And you know, like I said, it's 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 not just the three pointers; they're they're twelfth in the league in two point percentage as well. Um, I think that even some of the guys that we weren't as excited about, it seems like you look at the development of guys like uh, Gordon and Fournier and, and and some of the guys that we added in the offseason. I mean, Shelvin's played okay. Bismack is Bismack. He, he kind of is what he is. But you look at these guys... you got to put the contract away when you talk about Bismack Biombo. Yeah. I mean, he's never going to live up to that contract. Yeah, I mean, and so I'm just trying to see some Kim Birch, man. But anyway, so... <laughs> gotta, so you got to watch, watch the Lakeland Magic for that. Oh, true. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, I mean, you look at these guys and it's like they're they're adults now. It's been so fun, you know, covering the team for three years. And I'm sure you can speak to this more than me, of watching these guys, watching Aaron Gordon's career and watching him go from this guy that everyone was saying, oh, he's just a dunker, and then he learned to be a defender. And now he's finally shooting. And I remember, you know, talking last year, it was like, is this shot ever going to come? Is he going to be this weird tweener guy, kind of like almost like a Tayshaun? on Prince that it can never really score um and the same thing with Fournier you know last year like I was huge on Fournier I I he had such an efficient 2015 I remember doing a piece um for OPP it was him and Avery Bradley were the only players in the league that scored that amount of points at that efficiency he was just he was like a um an analytic dream and then last year they just put him in a situation where no one could shoot where the whole defense was just focused on him and it seems like now like these guys will take it at you like these 
when Fournier goes to the hoop, he's not indecisive. He's not selfish as much. Um, he's just he's getting his shot. He's getting the shot that he wants. And now, you know, when the defense collapses around him, it's not. I mean, Jeff Green out there. Oh, it's God. not like yeah. I mean, R.I.P. Jeff Green. But uh, yeah, it's not just like random player X, um, C.J. Watson, whoever that was out there that was getting minutes. Um, it's like there are deadly shooters on this team. Yeah, and it's 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 really been that much of a transformation, and we've talked a lot about. I, I think I, I, that's been a big point that I've made throughout the summer was how much improving the team's depth would matter. But uh, ultimately, this team going from you know whatever they were last year, twenty nine win team last year, to you know seven and four to start this season, and looking really good and looking pretty legitimate, and 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 every time it seems like they're about to falter, they they've they've kind of rescued themselves from the brink. Um, you know, they've, they've had plenty of games this year where even the players themselves would say, we would have lost this game uh, last year. The, the internal improvement we've seen from this team is just, um, it, it's what you you hope to see for so long from the, from the Magic team as they were growing. Uh, you know, you, you waited for Victor Oladipo to take the star turn. It's Aaron Gordon now taking it. It's Evan Fournier um, learning how to be the, the kind of primary scorer on a team, and 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 that may still not be his best role at the end of the day, but with the with the way the Magic have improved on their shooting, they can spread the floor for him, and he's willing to attack the basket, and and he's back kind of in the role that that really I think made him work well in 2016, where he's kind of playing off the ball and attacking off rotations rather than attacking in the pick and roll. And honestly, during the Magic's two game losing streak, I think that was part of the problem was Fournier was kind of back in that primary creator role that he wasn't good at because the Magic just didn't have any other ball handlers, creators to, to go with. And and on top of all that, Fournier, as you said, improved. Uh, something that Frank Vogel said a lot. Uh, for, they, they asked Fournier to work on his playmaking, to work on his passing, and it seems like he did. He's he's much he's much improved as a passer, much improved looking to pass the ball as he drives. And, he, and he's not, uh, I wouldn't call Fournier a selfish player, but it, it just wasn't in his skill set to set others up in the way that 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 you know, other primary scores were. It's something that you have to learn as a young player. And Fournier, not that he's super young, but he's still a young guy. He's he's taken a step up in his game. And obviously, having all that mixed together, Nikola Vucevic hitting threes, Aaron Gordon hitting threes, um, having all that mixed together has turned into a really good product for the Magic so far this year. Um, you I, One other thing I think you mentioned, and I've, I've hinted at in Dance Around It too, um, improving the depth has been huge for this team. Uh, you've talked a lot about the effect that Jonathan Simmons has. I wonder if you could expand upon that a little bit more. What do you see, you know, I've heard players talk about it plenty, but what do you see from Jonathan Simmons that specifically makes you, makes you say, you know, that's his imprint on this team? I mean, he lets his actions speak louder than his words. I mean, in the in the four home games that I've covered, I think we've only talked to him once, and it was that big game uh, after San Antonio, which he came from San Antonio. But he's that guy that, like, he's not about the spotlight. He's about making the team better. And I think that, like, you know, he's a classic Spursy player. The thing that we worried about was him not translating outside of the Popovich system. But he's even better. I mean, um, I think that, like I said, with him, he brings a mentality. Have you seen that video of him just, like, yelling at Biz? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. we needed that like we would always talk about it last year that like the thing that biz brought to the team was he was angry he was like we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and um i think that like like i'm, I'm a big um studier of like uh, like motivation and like life coaching and stuff like that and the thing is like once it's in your head that you are a certain way it's it's almost impossible to break it and, and like i said last year the team 
they couldn't get over the hump. They didn't have it within them. There was nothing that Frank Vogel could do. There was nothing that Red Arbach could have done to get Every, that everyone. Team. Everyone last year just seemed just absolutely miserable. Like yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, you know, you could. I mean, people ask that. Ask Vogel that uh, uh, at media day. You know, like how hard was the season on Vogel? I mean, we were around. We were around Vogel a lot. It. It, it was. I mean, it was a trying difficult season for Frank Vogel as a coach it was you know the worst season of his coaching career uh and you could you could see it on his face you could see it in the way he was talking to the media um and then there was just I mean there was not a lot he could do because the pieces didn't fit together well uh and it it just it it didn't work and everyone was miserable for it and you know there was a little bit of light at the end of the season with the way the team played but they were still eight and eight and 16 whatever they were they weren't good still. Right. And and it was just it was just like the team just needed some needed needed a little bit of a spark and, and you know, I don't know if Jonathan Simmons is that is that spark. It certainly could kind of seems like he he was a huge spark. Um but obviously he he is like like I mean like like you said kind of quoting me, he's a guy that stirs the drink a little bit. That he'll mix things up. He's not afraid to attack the basket, which the Magic desperately need, especially coming off the bench. Uh, and and there's no doubt about it. He has played some fantastic basketball early on this season and, ha- and has put up some solid, solid numbers coming off the bench, um, proving that he's not just a, a Spurs player. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's it's interesting. Like I said, that core is so so interesting mentally. Those four guys are just so so calm. And they brought in Skiles to be that guy. They brought in Skiles to really just light a fire under their butts and get yeah. him going. And a coach can do that for a certain amount of time. But after a while, you know, it's the Jim Harbaugh effect. They get they get tired. They, they tune him out. And, 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 and we all knew that was going to happen with Scott Skiles. Like, yeah, I mean, it, was, the, it, was, it wasn't a matter of if, it was when. We just didn't know what would happen in three months. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean... Last year, they tried to bring in Serge Ibaka. They tried to bring in Biombo. But I think the difference is, like, with Serge and Biz, like, Biz is a leader to some degree. But I remember, like, the way he kind of talks about it is like, oh, well, in Toronto, we did it this way. Mm-hmm. And, like, it seems like he, he they kind of did it from afar. And they kind of talked about, hey, guys, we need to be this way. But honestly, like, Biz isn't enough of an impact player, I think, to really ha- to lead by example. Like, sure. no one is going to be like, okay, well, Biz, Biz, Biz is Mac playing Biombo, hard. Biz Mac Biombo was, I mean... I, I think people are harder on him than he deserves, but I also agree that he probably there are definitely moments this year where I'm like they need to put Maurice Spates in over Bismack Biombo right now, and 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 I agree completely with that criticism of Vogel so far this year. One of the few probably um, that that there are definitely moments when the offense is struggling and or the other team is scoring a lot because they're stretching Biombo out of the paint, mm-hmm. where it's put Maurice Spates in. He'll spread the floor. He'll make life easier for everybody. Or put Ken Burch in. He's 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 a more he's more mobile and energetic and and he'll 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 mix things up in a way that that you want Biombo to but Biombo just can't and there are just limitations with Biombo where he he's a role player that's what he tops out at um, yeah. you know the Magic thought he could be kind of a Ben Wallace type defensive starting center guy and they paid him like it and that's not who he is and you're stuck with that decision now obviously but um, you, obviously you can you you got to make do with what you got sometimes. Uh, and and Biombo just just he just he isn't like like you said he isn't that impact player where you know he says something and then he goes out and does it that that's not his role on the team his role is to play good defense and block shots and and he 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 does that but that's not necessarily kind of leading a team because he still makes a ton of mistakes and is clearly not a guy the Magic rely on heavily for a lot. 
I'll, I'll say this too. I think that last year, uh, the BM, the Biombo signing had a profound effect on Nikola Vucevic. Yes. And I think that it's something he would never admit to. And but if you think about it, like there there are red flags here. If you look at his numbers last year, he had a um, his free throw percentage just tanked. To me, that's just a confidence thing. His field goal percentage tanked. And for for Vucevic to be effective, he hits that one shot, the the analytic nightmare shot. But he <laughs> it's his shot. It's the that one like long, long, long two. Um, against, uh, I believe it was the Heat. It was like the shot that put them ahead. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. It's like it made, that's it made his it like shot. A, made it like a four point game, and and like like to to that point, I noticed in that game when Biombo was in in the fourth quarter, Hassan Whiteside just roamed the paint and did not allow anyone to shoot in the lane, mm-hmm. and that slowed the Magic's offense to the point where Miami got back into that game and 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 took and you know really got really made it close. The moment Nikola Vucevic came in, Hassan Whiteside could not leave Vucevic. And this was before Vucevic started really shooting threes this season. Uh, that that mid-range jumper that Vucevic hit, that was create that was created because Whiteside had to had to respect Vucevic enough to stay close to Vucevic, but had to respect Fournier. And so that opened the lane up for Fournier to drive, and Whiteside was late getting to Fournier. And Fournier kicked it out to Vucevic, who was open. I mean, that that's that's the kind of gravity that a jump shooting center can have. And and we're seeing now with Vucevic shooting three pointers that that gravity has created so much more space for Evan Fournier. We were seeing it a little bit now with Alfred Payton, who's just come back from injury. We're seeing it with Aaron Gordon to some extent. We're seeing it, you know, in the few minutes that Jonathan Simmons has played with Nikola Vucevic. That gravity, that respect for his shot has, and, and the fact that he's hitting them, hitting them now has changed the Magic's offense. I'll say this too. There is one time in my life I've ever seen Vucevic mad. Do you, <laughs> do you, do you remember what it was? There might be more for you, but... I've seen was, him... I, I, to me, there's a difference between frustrated and mad. I've seen him frustrated a lot. I don't know if I've... I, I can't recall seeing him, like, mad a lot. There was a game last year. It was my pin tweet for a while. He, uh, it was when he was coming off the bench. And he came off the bench and he played spectacularly. Mm-hmm. And they talked to him afterward and they were like, yeah, like, what does this say to you? And he's like, look, I'm a starting center. Like, that's that's what it is. I love this city. I want to stay here forever. I'm your starting center. Like, believe in me and I'll, I'll make it happen. And it was the most, like, yeah. brave heart speech I've ever seen. Because you know Vooch. He never, he never says chill. anything like that. But it's like, I feel like he was genuinely, like, he felt slighted by that signing. And I think that they finally found a, a little bit of... Um, synergy within that unit and i mean he i feel like he had every right to to feel that way because they brought in two bigs like they yeah. they were trying to phase him out at the end of the day it didn't matter what they said it was their two i mean all of their gap was going towards two guys that play like him yeah and two guys that in in the modern nba should be playing center uh you know yeah i mean i, I i'm i don't know if you were at the draft that year but when the magic acquired ibaka on draft night i'm like they're gonna play gordon and ibaka power forward in center and and it's gonna be fun and that's how you should play. That's that's the way you should play. And uh, you know, it, I like Vooch as a person. I you know, I, I think he's a good player. I, I think a lot of people are harder on him than, than he deserves. And he has shortcomings. He has he has some things that he just can't do on the floor, and that ultimately holds the team back in some way. But uh, but you know, but ultimately, Vooch is still the best center on the team, and and he's proven that time and time again he just finds a way to contribute and and to put up some some big numbers and uh you know adding the three pointer to his game only makes him more valuable and and obviously the contract is a huge bargain and and the magic have a decision coming up in a couple years on that 
um, if not coming up this summer. Uh, but Vucevic has been absolutely huge for this team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I think that like we, the the new administration kind of made a um, a priority on finding guys that love Orlando. And I think that, you know, Evan Fournier is like that. Uh, Vooch is like that. I think that Simmons is like that. Aflalo obviously is like that. But yeah. uh, you need you need a team that, that really loves, that they're in it for the city and the, and each other and not just for themselves. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's fair. And, and certainly there are a lot of players who need to play for themselves this year too. And, and, and that doesn't hurt. You just need, you need some type of motivation to play for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's definitely something the Magic wanted. They, they wanted to bring in some veterans to, to kind of bring that. And, and I think finding a flawless a guy who's a John Hammond guy. Um, you know, John Hammond drafted him in Detroit, uh, or was one, part of the team that drafted him in Detroit. Um, and and obviously, uh, this is a place that that Aflalo has a, a huge um, huge connection to and and whatnot. But you know, you got guys like Aaron Gordon playing for a contract. Alfred Payton's playing for a contract. Um, although we haven't seen much of Alfred so far. Uh, Hazonia now will be playing for a contract if, if he can contribute anything. Nikola Vucevic is coming to the end of his contract, and and you know I'm sure he wants to get paid a little bit more fairly this time around. Um, you know, other rather than taking the the small deal that he that he took, and I think he would even admit that he's he's on a bargain deal. Um, but uh, it, 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 there's definitely a lot for this team to play for. Not to mention they they're tired of losing. Uh, you yeah. know, I. I, I I think what's what's really going to be interesting, and I think what I want to ask you now is, what if you know, what effect will success have on this team? Can they keep it going? Because we saw them go nineteen and thirteen two seasons ago, and the whole and the bottom dropped out on them. Why? Why is this year different? Why? Why do we? Why does it? Fe- I mean, I have my theories too, but why does it feel like? And it's not just the fact that. Frank Vogel wants to coach this team, but um, why does it feel like this time it's real for the Magic, whereas maybe two years ago it didn't feel that way, or, or it quickly became that it wasn't that way? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, two years ago was my first year covering the team, and I remember talking to you and being like, oh my gosh, this is incredible, we're going to the playoffs, like, this team can't be beat right now. Scott Skiles was the coach of the month for December, I remember those days, uh, and you just kind of kept telling me, like, no, like, well, let's let's wait and see, people are kind of, this doesn't really make any sense. The schedule was a little bit soft, they were winning some games on some on some fluky circumstances, and the way that the offense was playing was, like, unsustainable. Um, now again, that was two years ago, so I don't remember the specifics on like the X's and O's of that, but, um, it seems like instead of an anomaly, this is more of a progression. It it seems like, all right, well, like Vucevic is hitting threes, like, uh, Fournier is back to taking good shots and you look across the board and, and like I said, it's more of a mentality than anything. They're, they're sharing the ball and they had players on that team like Vic and Tobias that were ISO players that didn't do that. And so those shots, those ISO shots happened to go in and that's super duper cool, but there weren't good enough players to justify playing that way. Very few people are in today's NBA. So I feel like now like everyone is using, everyone is playing to their best skill set. Yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting point. Um, to, to play devil's advocate here, um, you know, you said the Magic were playing back then in a way that that seemed unsustainable. They were winning in some fluky ways. Can't you make the same argument about this year's team? I mean, they're shooting second in the league in three point percentage. We've we've seen them come back down to earth a little bit on that. 
Um, their defense is rated really highly, but I think we all see a lot of holes in that defense. Uh, they're they're giving up. I think the they're in the bottom five in points allowed in the paint. They're uh, in the bottom five in off in defensive rebound rate. Um, this is a team that still has a lot of flaws and a lot of holes in it, and 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 they're co- they're able to cover it up. Um, but they played a Cleveland team that is down a lot of a lot of key guys and is still figuring themselves out. They played a San Antonio team that's down Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker, blew them out of the out of the water. Played New York when they're scorching hot without Kristaps Porzingis. Yes, the Magic have had their own adversity, but but is, is there something unsustainable about what the Magic are doing that could lead them to a little bit of a fall here? Um. It could lead them to a little bit of fall. Well, let me uh, hit on this really quick. So something that I noticed today when I was just playing with these numbers is the Magic are actually the second best team in three-point percentage allowed. Um, and I think that helps them a lot. Um, and, and sometimes that's that's a little bit fluky. But I think that their their length in getting out to the perimeter has certainly helped them. And again, you know, the, the things that we've uh, mentioned ad nauseum here uh, do that. But I think that it will come back down. I think the 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 key piece of all of this is Alfred Payton, and and we all know that. I think that the fact that they played that well, DJ Augustine, is in a way unsustainable. You're absolutely right. I mean, DJ Augustine is not an NBA starting point guard. No one has thought that since I mean, long time ago. Maybe not for coming a few out years. Of, Probably not yeah. since he was in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 especially not in the modern NBA. But I mean, the thing is that this this team still has a step that they could theoretically take up. And and for me, like I'm I'm not the biggest Alfred Payton guy. I mean, he's from Gretna, Gretna Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana. I would I would love nothing more than to have two Louisianimals in the uh, backcourt here, <laughs> him and Augustine. But uh, I I think that like the the things that I worry about with Payton um, are his shooting and obviously. his defense. Right, his both, shooting both and his obviously. Defense. And I think that, like, he definitely has his flaws. I think that we haven't seen... I think that he needs to take the same kind of step that we see from Fournier and from Gordon. And we won't really ask him to be a leader as much. We don't really need that from him. We just literally need him to not get lit up by Jeremy Lin. Like, that would be sweet if he could just, like, just defend his position. Because the thing about the team right now, if you have Alfred Payton on the floor, so let's say you have Alfred Payton, you have Fournier, and you have Vooch. All three of those guys on a given night could could have some defensive issues. Um, so I think that if Alfred Payton can step up defensively, I'm not even worried about his shooting. Like for me, like his shooting is whatever. Like I would rather him step up on defense and and be part of this cohesive unit because there are so many times, especially when him and Victor were together, where it was just an open lane to the paint and then it was an open lane to the free throw line. And I think that, um, you know, even even though I'm not the biggest Alfred Payton guy, I think that he's certainly the best point guard on this team, and I think that having him matters so much. I mean, like I said, you're 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 hearing me argue against him why he's flawed, but at the same time, no one in the world is saying, "Oh, DJ Augustine should be the starting point guard." And now, well, actually, <laughs> well, get out of your get out of your Twitter mentions. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but like, but I mean, we've seen it with, with like Shelvin Mack, like, and I was I was joking with you, like. Uh, NBA League Pass decided to just like not work for me for two games, and but it was good because I was like those two games didn't matter. The ones against uh, uh, Chicago and Boston, like that was a Shelvin Mack game. Like, what are we supposed to glean from that? That Shelvin Mack isn't good. Like, wow, welcome to yeah, here we are. Uh, so like, and he's fine. He's fine. Like, he's not bad. He's he's just not a starter. And so I think that like by having a competent, um, I mean, a floor general for lack of a better word, um, that that is Alfred Payton. I mean. He is able to push the pace, 
And I think that if he can find that role, I think that that's the missing piece in that, you know, you see the way that the guys are scoring. I just had this pulled up here. Uh, Fournier, Golden, Fournier, Gordon, Vooch are all, I mean, over 18 and a half points. They're spreading the ball around so, ra- and so well. And is at like 14. Yeah, he's, he's at almost 15 himself. And that's the fact, I mean, let's see. Alfred is still the highest per game scorer among point guards. That's insane. I mean, like, yeah. DJ was only scoring 8.3. Uh, I know these are dummy stats, but it just shows that these guys weren't really involved in the offense, and they were doing okay. I and mean, you see DJ was shooting 39%. That's okay. But, like, it's 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 the fact that having a point guard that you can count on and not having everything just be just groupthink, just just crowdsourcing of offense, I think that, I mean, if, if DJ – goes back now we have a great backup point guard and then shelvin goes back and we have a great third string point guard but when you rotate those guys up they're just not good so i think that you know while there are a couple of things that are fluky you talked about the three-part percentage um i think this team is playing very good team defense i think they're definitely going hard after like loose balls things that as they they're, say they're they, scrambling well i mean the effort yeah. like like the effort and, and what i call the intention is there they, they're, they're they're not dogging it they're not they're not they're not always executing perfectly, but they're playing with the energy they need to, to at least contest a shot and be in the right place. And, you know, I think what, what we're seeing a lot is, you know, the Magic are still kind of learning to trust each other and trust their defense a lot better. Um, they're switching so much more that there are definitely moments of miscommunication where two guys go with, go with the ball handler and leave someone open or... You know, they don't make the switch properly and that opens up a lane or they're expecting help somewhere and it's not there. Uh, There's still a lot to work out on that front. Um, But the Magic, I think, have been much much more energetic and and focused on the defensive end than we've seen them in quite some time, even when they were killing it defensively last year. Like, they were kind of grinding teams out. But now there's just such an energy about them uh, when they play defense. And, and, and you know, it's been a little bit, but the pace has a lot to do with it. And... And to me, you know, we talked, we were, we were talk, chatting a little bit about Alfred Payton beforehand, and, and, and this is not to say that Alfred Payton is the answer at point guard for this team long term. I think, I think a lot of people get very focused on the long term questions that they forget about some of the short term questions, or at least answering the short term questions in the short term. Mm-hmm. Alfred Payton, to me, is the guy who is best at pushing the pace on this team. Right. He is the guy that gets the ball up the floor quicker. And I think, and, and DJ Augustine did a great job at that. And honestly, that was one of the big surprises to the season for me was that DJ Augustine was playing at a fast pace because I, I did not see him as a, as a fast-paced point guard. When the Magic signed Shelvin Mack, I was concerned because Shelvin Mack is not a pace point guard. He is not someone that gets the ball up the floor quickly. He's a game manager. He wants to kind of read and read and react to the defense. Peyton gets the ball up the floor so quickly. He takes the ball at you know, at the three-point line instead of the free-throw line on outlets. It's just naturally in him to turn and go. And so when the Magic, say, are, are struggling offensively or struggling to get good shots, he injects the pace into the game that the Magic need. I mean, how, how many possess... What, what, do you, what would you think the pace to the game was in last uh, or Wednesday night against the Knicks? Uh, I listened to your podcast. I think it was like you said 95? It was like... It was 96. See, I cheated, so. Yeah, so you cheated. You ruined my exercise. Um, The Magic this year are averaging, I think, 104 possessions per 48 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yet, would you agree that watching that game, it did not feel like a slow game, at least when the Magic had the ball? 
Like it didn't feel like it was a game that had limited possessions in it. Is, is that oh, fair absolutely. to say? Absolutely. A lot of that too is uh, coming off of like the steals. It was yeah. just kind of an interesting game. It was flow. a weird so, game. Yeah. It was a weird game. It was, it was, it was a workmanlike game. Like that's how right. I described it. The Magic weren't perfect. They weren't, they, they were good. They weren't perfect. They could play a lot better, but they beat a team that they're better than, period. And they moved on. That's um, Honestly, it's an 82-game season. You got to win games like that. Right. Um, they can't all be nail-biters. Um, and, and they can't all be blowouts. Uh, but, like, when we, t- when, I, when, I, when, we, when we talk about pace, I, I use the pace number just to illustrate that point a little bit. The number that you see called pace, that's not what coaches call pace. That's just a measurement of the number of possessions a game. What coaches like to talk about with pace is how quickly the team moves through its sets and how quickly they move their def- the defense and make the defense work over the course of a possession. And I think when Peyton is in the game, he gets the team moving quicker than they do with any other point guard on the floor. And that's why he's so important to this team and why I think that he's, A, the best point guard option on the team, and B... Why he, why I, I, even though people said, oh, DJ Augustin's shooting makes him so much more valuable with the starters, their offense is killing it. I'm like, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, guys, DJ Augustin's great. I'm very happy with the way he's playing, but Alfred Payton takes this offense to another level, even, even though he's not a three point shooter. And because there's more three point shooters now, it's okay that Payton doesn't shoot threes because everyone yeah. else can. No, exactly. And I think, too, like, you know, we talked about the, the, that mindset change. I think that if Alfred comes back and he plays the way that he did last year, I think that there's people are going to talk to him. Like, I think, like, and he plays hard. Like, it's not that, but he's just had some lapses on defense that were, yeah. you kind of count on him. And guys, like, guys scheme for it because it's like you have a problem whenever there's a there's a screener that you can go under. And then on the other end, it, you know how to how to get by him because you just blow by him. You, you just kind of put a little shake on him and take off toward the rim and then Vooch fouls and there you go. They're at the line. So I think that like that, that, that it actually almost kind of helps because I think that if they reintegrate Peyton and the team already almost kind of has an identity without him and they kind of all say like, okay, well you're here now, but this is how we're playing now. We're playing hard. We're not going to let, we're not going to let our man beat us. We're just flat out. Like we're going to hold each other accountable. And it's not about a coach. It's not about like making excuses. It's like, there's no there's no excuses left anymore. We've seen this team play well, and if they regress defensively with Alfred, it's it's going to be on him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's, that's 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 definitely a good point, and uh, definitely something that we'll have to watch as as the Magic get going uh, here in this in the season. Um, you know, it's only been 11 games, so you don't want to overreact too much to some of the early season results. Obviously, the Magic are. I mean, I, I've said this, and and I don't know if you would agree. It feels like you can take your expectations about this team up a notch um, where, like, I thought this was a 35-win team just missing the playoffs. I'm now in the, this team should make the playoffs camp. Um, this team has, has shown me enough. They're good enough to, to make the playoffs. Uh, and, and so I, I think we're at that level where we can shift our expectations up a notch. But um, Frank Vogel said the next 10 games is probably the most difficult stretch of the season. They play a four-game West Coast road trip starting in Phoenix on Friday. They'll play two games. They'll play that that road trip includes their trip to Golden State. They'll play two games at home. Um, I think it's against Utah and Indiana. Um, I don't have my schedule in front of me. It's on my fridge. Uh, <laughs> and and then they Utah go and Indiana. Yep. Yeah. And then they go out to the. Then they go out on an East Coast trip, a four game road trip, uh, on the East Coast, and then they come home to play Oklahoma City and and uh, Golden State. So they play the Warriors on December first. 
What are we going to learn about this team on de- by December 2nd? Gosh, let me see. That's a that's a loaded question. Let me just process <laughs> yes, this it for is. a second here. It's so it's got this this like like when the schedule came out, we looked at this early season schedule, and I think we all said this is a tough start to the season. I mean, honestly, to me, part of the surprise of how the part of the surprise of the Magic being seven and four is that they've done it against us this schedule where they've played Cleveland already. They play. I mean, say what whatever the, whatever you want to say about those teams. They played Cleveland already. They played San Antonio already. They played Boston. I mean, they weren't at full strength when they played Boston, but they played Boston. Mm-hmm. They played a tough Memphis team. They they've played some good teams already this season. But now the schedule is where it gets really tough and where I think a lot of us were concerned. Like I think a lot of us thought if the Magic want to be a playoff team, they needed to build confidence in these first say 11 games like they have so that when they get to this 10 game stretch, They'll be ready and comfortable and and you know confident to get through it, so that they'll be set up for you know a a, a solid December run when the schedule lightens up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think so. The Phoenix Suns off the bat, they're they're a mess. Um, they're a mess. Yeah, they're, they're playing better. So. They're playing better. Give them give them give them credit. They play hard, but. They don't have a point guard. They really don't have a point guard anymore with their well, they have, over there. They have uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike James, man, the goat. Yeah. But uh, no, so I think that uh, the Suns, honestly, this is like, this sounds like a super rapid react thing, but uh, teams like the Suns last year, that the Magic would just hang out with them. They'd be like, what's up, man? How's it going? We're all friends here. Be like, careful I remember, there. Yeah, like, I, be, be careful I think, there because this Magic team lost to Chicago. <laughs> No, I mean you're you're right, but that that's again those games didn't count. Those, those games, games didn't count. Those, yep, that's, so, that's a good point. That's a good point. that's a good point. But anyway, so so I remember doing a game last year for OPP. It was a road game. They played. It was towards the end of the year. They played the Kings, and no one played for the Kings. I mean, it was like the Kings were one of the yeah, worst worst rosters in the leagues league and they had like seven or eight men active and it was just garbage and the kings won and I was like, how on earth? Like so, he so triple think, double that game, didn't he? I mean, yeah, but what does that really mean? Anyway, so, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point. Uh, so anyway, uh, that further proves my point about him. But anyway, so uh, so I think the Suns are like it, this. Going to be an interesting tone setting game to see. I honestly just expect like I hope they blow the Suns out to get on a good good uh, footing. Nuggets uh, outside of Jokic to me they've been kind of weird too. Their guards are kind of a mess. So I'm, I'm not going to break it down game by game. But point being, like you you look at the Magic and what they are like as a as a unit in your mind, and you think like. It's, it's like you said, you have to adjust what you imagine the Magic to be because as you go by game by game, you're like, okay, could I see him beating the Blazers? Absolutely. Could I see him beating the Nuggets? Absolutely. The Warriors aren't, you know, that's a different animal probably. But The, but, Warriors, you know. the Warriors are, the Warriors are just, they're, they'll, they've shown this year they'll let you hang around in a game because they turn the ball over like crazy. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, that run is coming. <laughs> Everyone knows yeah. it. It doesn't matter who you are. That run is coming, and you just gotta hope it never comes. But but point being, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think that the their season really is kind of defined in this little stretch here because if they are that team from the past, they're gonna get down on themselves. They're gonna lose games here. I mean, they're gonna lose a couple of games for sure. Like they're obviously, you know. But but they're they need to beat the teams that they are better than. And when I say teams like that, I I think they're better than the Jazz. I think they're easily better than the Pacers. I mean, the Timberwolves are talented, but I think they could give them a game. And so you go through. It's like you need to be competing with these teams. It's wild to think that the Magic and 76ers are now like jockeying for. Playoff 
<laughs> like the, whoa, whoa. the magic, the magic and the Knicks were a battle for third place in the Eastern Conference on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, and that's weird when you look at the Eastern Conference standings. Not not to get too far off on this tangent, but it's like it's like some of those teams need to get losing, man. Like like the 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 someone's the, gonna fall off here. Yeah, exactly. Because you see teams, you see teams like the Bucks are four and six, man. I mean, like they're the 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 Hornets are under five hundred, the um, Cavs are under five hundred, the Heat are under five hundred, the Wizards are at five hundred. So it's like all those teams are gonna kind of start creeping up. So this this. Um, the pressure's about to be on for this Magic team because they're going to get punched in the mouth in this road trip. There's no doubt. They're going to have one ugly, bad, bad loss, and it's going to be how they get together. I, I think that they can come out of here. I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things in terms of when do we start this and when do we end this. But I think if they can they can come out this, like, just above 500, beat some of those teams that they should beat, beat, you know, all those teams they should beat or close to it, and then give the better teams a run for their money, that's what we're looking for. I don't think any logical Magic fans thinking, oh, we need to go, come out of this thing, like, 7-2 and two or whatever it is. I think it's just be – get in. Like like Mike Tomlin always says, you got to get out of the building. Like, that's the goal. Just get back home, get to a little bit softer footing, and make sure that you're not a mess whenever that ends. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, it's it's definitely uh, an interesting. It, it's definitely going to be interesting to see uh, how the magic respond to to this, um, to to this opportunity, to, to this to this game, and to and to um and to this road trip and this stretch. Uh, you know, we've seen this team, I think, battle with some adversity already. They've responded really well after losses so far this year. Um, so there does seem to be a little bit of confidence about how they can play and how they can figure things out. Um, their their only losing streak came because they were shorthanded, and I think everyone would admit the Magic did not look like themselves or anything remotely like themselves because they didn't have a point guard, and and that is a big thing. Uh, you know, you, you, you they still count. Sorry, sorry, Will. The games that game still counts, <laughs> but but it, they definitely looked like a different team, not anywhere close to the same team. And, and as Magic fans panicked about those two losses, and I said, look, they've still done a lot more good than bad. There, there are extenuating circumstances. they got to figure things out if Alfred Payton's going to be out for a while and if DJ Augustin's going to be out for a while. they got to figure things out. But, like, I, honestly, I would say the big difference between this year's team and any other team is... Yes, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and I'm waiting for the stats to normalize and for the shooting to come down. I still have a lot more confidence that this team will figure it out than any other, and it's because they've done it already. They gutted out that win against Brooklyn at home. They gutted out, and maybe that's Brooklyn, so whatever, but they (laughs) gutted out that win against Memphis uh, on the road. They took a a big loss to Charlotte and came back the very next night at New Orleans and beat up the Pelicans. Um, most based by himself, just most based by him, yeah. yeah, but like, but like, I mean, like, I I say this all the time, um, you know, the, the, to me, when I knew that the 2009 Magic were a special group or, or were, were something different, was when I kept thinking, man, the Magic played so poorly tonight, and they but won they by won. like 12. Yeah, not only that, not only that, they won comfortably. Um, you know, like I I I do say this. Good teams find ways to pull games out of their ass. <laughs> Sorry for the language, uh, anyone, but I'm like, telling your mom, man. Sober. Yeah, tell my mom. She's yeah, she'll she'll she'll, <laughs> she'll, she'll she'll flip out. Um, but but like good teams find ways to win games. They have no business winning, and I, I don't think the Magic are there yet. They've lost. They, it's not that they've lost some game. Bad, and bad teams find ways to lose games that they have no business losing, um, which we've seen the Magic do. And, and I was the Magic, about to say we've seen a lot of that. Yeah, and and the Magic 
have they haven't done that, but losing to the Bulls the way they did, even without their point guards, that wasn't encouraging. Um, the way they finished that Memphis game, for the most part, was not encouraging. You know, blowing um, opening night's always quirky, so I don't want to put too much stock in the Miami game. But um, you know, the Magic are you know, and and this may be the fair, fairest thing to say, the Magic are five hundred team. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, I, you know, I, you know, right now they're playing as a slightly above five hundred team statistically. Um, but the, you know, we envision this team being at best a five hundred team, uh, and they're playing like it, uh, and playing probably a little bit better than that right now, and and that's a good sign that 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 they're getting getting those those quality, you know, kind of gutsy wins, and they're not, you know, blowing games that they they shouldn't blow. They're 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 uh, New York last night was a perfect example. No Porzingis. Knicks had the lead in that game for a good chunk of it, and they made big shots in the fourth quarter. They buckled down. And got the win. It didn't matter how they got it. They got it. And that's something that... I, that, that to me is what's different about this Magic team. Is they're winning games. You know, kind of comfortably in that way. Or not comfortably, but they're they're finding a different way to win every single night if, if they have to. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it. Like the... the um, there are so many different options in terms of guys that have the ability to take over and feel comfortable in that role. And it seemed like, you know, at the end of... Well, the last couple of years, man, just throughout... It was like hot potato at the end of the game. It was like, yeah. oh well, it, except for Oladipo. Oladipo, like he was ready. Oladipo like, wanted it, that last shot. Yeah, like well, he was ready, but he wasn't ready. But anyway, uh, he was like me taking tests in high school. Was like, yeah, it's gonna be sick. I anyway. got yeah, yeah, no, no, that's a great, that's a great analogy. He's, he's, <laughs> but, uh, he's the guy. You ask him how the test go. He's like, oh, I killed it. Got to see. Got to see. Yep. But uh, yeah, no. So I mean, it seems like Love there you, are Rick. enough guys that like, like, like. So like, uh, twenty fifteen was a good example. Like guys were just panicking like it was like you know whenever go back, they go back and go back and watch the tobias harris dunk against the the thunder like tobias tobias was a guy that wanted the shot at the end of the game right um, right but like maurice harkless wanted he was underneath the basket wanted nothing to do with that ball at the end of that game and that was then you're right that was a that was kind of the, the feeling around the team that they were they were waiting for something to screw to screw up no one wanted to to take that shot and and secure the win, and and that was kind of the culture the team had for those five years. Yeah, and I think like um, you know, quick quick side tangent. It seems like none of those guys are ready, and now they kind of all are on their own teams. Like you know, you look at what Tobias is doing this year, and it's crazy. And you look at what Vic's doing this year, and it's crazy. But like they they just wouldn't have worked here. Like it's just there there was there were just issues with that team that that everyone was just so like slightly above average that no one knew. It's like oh, will it be Vooch? Will it be Evan? Will it be Victor? Will it be Peyton? And and it, and, and, and like that group together. Just they couldn't learn how to win, right? Because none of them so, had won before. Yeah, and I think like now, like you know, you get. Um, I know I keep going back to Simmons. I feel like I, I no, have like a man crush on him now. But like it's like, hey, that's kind of the guy. It's either him or uh, Fournier, and there we are. Like I feel like like Fournier. Um, last year, people would really get on to him. I remember I think there was a Toronto game last year that he, they that Vogel was like, I'm drawing up this play for you, and you're gonna run it, and it just didn't work at all. And everyone was just killing him. Oh, he doesn't have the clutch gene. Like he's just selfish. Whatever. It's like no. Like again, he's better now. He's his his mindset's different, his skill set's different. Um, and now he has the confidence to do that and he's looking for that shot when it's his to take. And and Simmons is just, you know, he's a dog. Like he's not scared of anything. He's won before. He's he's the actual real version of the my player from two K. Like he's been through enough that it's like <laughs> He's all right, DJ. He's DJ. Yeah, he is DJ. It's like Except okay, he's well, not a DJ. He's not actually a DJ. He might be a DJ, which yeah. Anyway, DJ. so yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, so like he's like he's been through so much in his life. It's like, what is this last shot really in the regular season? Like, how does that affect me? So it's like I think that like there's so much more like synergy now, and even even Gordon. And, and, I mean, he, he and, was the guy. Yeah, yeah, and Aaron's been fantastic this year. I mean, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I, if any if anyone's trying to do too much, sometimes it's Aaron Gordon. But at the same time, the Magic don't get him involved enough. Sometimes, like the, he gets ignored. He gets ignored a lot, especially when they're not getting out in transition. Yeah, I saw uh, last night, it was like his second game of 20-plus points, and the first game was the 41-point game, and he's averaging like 19 points. It's like, how on earth? You score like 18, 19, His, 18, his 19, usage rate is insanely low. I'm pulling it up right now. His <laughs> his usage rate is not not fair to him at all. Um, he has a 21.7% uh, usage rate, which is actually his career high. So, I mean, he's playing a lot better, obviously. Um, but, yeah, he's... He's been he's been a revelation this year. Um, uh, to to your point, yes, that yeah, yes, uh, Wednesday was his second twenty point game of the season, which is hard to believe. It feels like he's he's dropping twenty every night at at this point. Yeah, it, it seems like he's gone from a guy that was like a little cool, quirky, like energy guy almost. Like it's almost like we weren't like I'm not we were waiting. Say we, were... we were waiting for the sleep from Aaron Gordon. Like, yeah, like, exactly. This is but it's like. But it's like almost like last year. So like I've always thought that Aaron Gordon has a little bit of a perception issue, and that he like he kind of like views himself as a star. But like, hey, he's on the way to being a star now, so that's fine. Like I remember last year, like he was the one talking about like, oh, I'm just a forward. Like I don't know if I'm a small forward. I like to have the ball in my hands. Da da da. And we saw that, and we all believed in it, and it just didn't work. And I remember again, it's getting punched in the mouth. It's like, okay, well, you tried to do it that way. It didn't work. How are you going to change your mindset and and and? And play a way that the team needs you to play, and he's doing it this year. And I mean, if if scoring at a high efficiency, low usage rate is it, and maybe give some of that to Evan, that that's fine. I think. I mean, I think that the that that is the mentality of this team, and it works. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's a really good point. Um, we're running out of time here, but before I let you go, um, we we mentioned his name once as as one of the guys that that helped change this team. Um, I'd be remiss if we did not talk about the early returns on Jonathan Isaac. Uh, what have been what have been your early impressions of Jonathan Isaac? What, what what do you think about about him and what he can bring to this team this year? Judah is just so interesting. I mean, he's like I, I, I had tweeted during the New Orleans game. He is like the creature created in a lab to stop someone who's unstoppable. Like you look at uh, so a player like Anthony Davis, and I think I mean in maybe two years he would I could stick him on Anthony Davis for a game and just feel good about it. And it's like he's so long. He's so smart, and I I was like okay with him coming in. I mean, Florida State's such a weird, bad team to watch. Like it, it's just yeah. they, they played that Leonard like style. Hamil- Leonard Hamilton put a lot of handcuffs on him, and and like there's definitely a little bit of uh you know like like you know, we've interacted with him. He he's it definitely feels like he's kind of a, a humble guy. He's he's not a he's not a me first guy. That's not in his DNA. So the pa- the pass the passivity question I think was both system and personality. On offense, on defense, this this kid gets it. Like yeah, that's and I mean, that's we, and that's hard to do as a as a twenty year old. We've we've talked about this too. It's like the way that Aaron Gordon plays and the way that Judah play. It's like so perfect because you can make them switch. You can get Judah to guard a four, and you can get Ag to guard the three, and you can really just do whatever you want. You could get either of them to play the five. Really, I mean, obviously, um, Ji is going to be everyone. Everyone for- wants the Isaac at the five lineup, and and. Like I, I've been like I, I did I did a little review on him uh, er, earlier this week, uh, but 
Um, I I was like, you know, I didn't think we'd see a lot of Gordon Isaac lineups together this year. I thought they'd bring him along slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, like Isaac has advanced so far that I'm like, yes, let's play, get him, get him some minutes together, and we are starting to see them play a lot together. Yeah, I mean, it's it is a little bit unreal whenever you hear him talk because again, he's just like everyone else. He's so chill. It's like you 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 hear him talk and you're like, okay, like this guy's gonna be a good player. He's going to be a great defender. He's going to know his role. He's going to be fine with low usage. And then you watch him play and you're like, oh my God, how did he know to be there? He's so young. Like, it's just, I think that the future, future, future of the franchise is him and Aaron Gordon. And I feel like, I mean, obviously Gordon kind of bet on himself with, uh, with waiting to sign his deal. Uh, but as long as they can keep those two guys forever, I mean, not forever, but as long as they as long as they want to be together, I think that the Magic are fine. Like, and and it's the first time, honestly, we can say that with any kind of relative certainty. I know it's very early in Ji's career. He could always have something bad happen. He could always get injured. He could always, I, you know, you never know. But I think that you've seen more from him than I hate to hate to bring him up, but you've seen more from him than Mario ever. And so, yeah, no, like, I mean, we, I, and 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 not not to cut you off there, but like. At a certain point, I mean, in the Mario Zonia case, at a certain point, you've got to be able to contribute something on the floor, especially with a team that's trying to win. Right. And Jonathan Isaac's defense is something he contributes on the contributes nightly. It's right. not. It's not something where you have to hide him or you know he he can go hot or cold. His defense is there every night. He is playing defense at an NBA level. And 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 the unfortunate thing about Mario Zonia is he has not shown he can in games for sure. And probably in practice, which is why he's not playing, he has not shown that he can do anything at an NBA level on a night-to-night basis. And yeah, fifth overall pick, yeah, you want to play him, you want to make good on that investment, but you got to do something on the floor to earn those minutes too. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately for Mario, he just he he never had he never he's never done that. Um, he never had the coach's trust, whether it was Skiles or Vogel, he never had the coach's trust to do that. Uh, and and that's why he's on the bench. And Isaac has gained the coach's trust to play solid defense. He, Isaac, to me, still has such a long way to go offensively. He's got to be a little bit pickier with the shots, but he's still got to be aggressive and take the shots when when he gets them. And I think I think Isaac's still figuring that part out. But he does so many good things on the defensive end that you trust him with those bench minutes. You trust him to to throw him out there in a lineup with Aaron Gordon. I mean, we've seen it a few times. I actually just pulled this up. This will be our our stat of the day, I guess. Um, according to NBA Wowie, Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac have played 43 minutes together on the floor, giving up 94.4 points per possession. Team is scoring 113.8 points per possession with those two on the floor together. It's having the effect that they want in these limited minutes. Uh, and, and and I didn't think we'd see it this soon. I thought that Magic would want to bring it along slowly and be a little cautious with it. But there's no reason not to play these two together in some lineups uh, when when you need to when you need that switching and you need that length. And come Monday night against Golden State, I don't think the Warriors have done their death lineup very much this year. But if Draymond Green slides over to center, I think we'll see Gordon and Isaac playing this playing the two post positions. Yeah, and well, first off, you're sleeping on the Mario Biz pick and roll. I feel like oh, the, that's the, the, definitely the Labros. That's that that's right there. That's his NBA skill. So we got him more of that. No, absolutely, we don't. Um, we don't. But anyways. No, no, we no, 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 no. We need we need more Labros. The Labros oh will live on. Corey, anyway. Corey, Corey Hudson and I will die on that hill. We need the Labros. Only the Labros can save us. 
<laughs> oh my god. Anyway, so yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And like, uh, in terms of like the death lineup, again, it's like the players that are unguardable. Kevin Durant. You make someone in a lab to guard Kevin Durant. It's Jonathan, it's Jonathan Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. And and he's so long that like I don't expect his offensive game to be what Kevin Durant is. But the cool thing about him is like. Who's gonna guard him? Like if you on most lineups, like once he gets his uh like once he, he gets his feet under him or whatever, there aren't very many players who could get a hand up, honestly, if you're playing like the three. I mean, if you can just get a little bit of separation and work on like one of those like dirt fadeaways, just hit that and you've got points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Isaac's got a long way to go offensively. He's still ridiculously young. It it, it will come. I'm I'm confident it will come for him. Um, but but obviously a long, long way to go. But a promising start as as we said. Um, Will, been great to talk to you about the Magic and, and this early start and, and, and how the team is doing. Good to get a diff- get, good to get a little different perspective on it and, and kind of recap where the team is at before they head out on this West Coast trip. Um, I know you're, you've been road tripping all over the place, but you've been able to watch some, ma- some Magic games. Uh, tell everyone where they, can, where they can find you on the interwebs. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Orlando Pinstripe Post. Um, I, I've been a little bit bad at that. I'm usually... Um, I'm the reporter at the game, so whenever there's a home game, I'm usually the one that does the game story. I'll do features and stuff as well. And then, like you said, I'm the multimedia editor at Saturday Down South. So if you guys like college football and the SEC, check us out. Um, and anything that you see, basically, that's not like a pod, or sorry, that's not an article at SDS is me. And that's why I'm out here exploring God's country, Paul. So. <laughs> Pow, pow. Yeah. I started to say, whenever you brought me in, I started to say, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> you, sh- you should have done it. Missed opportunity. Um, <laughs> we're going to have, we're going to have to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to start over. Um, and, and, and hopefully my mic works this time or my headphones work this time. Um, they, they work these, this last half hour. Um, yeah, but, uh, definitely, definitely check out Will, uh, on, on, online, both Orlando Pinstripe Post as well as Saturday Down South, a, a really, really fun website covering the SEC. Um, uh, uh, as always, and, and where can they find you on Twitter during games? Oh yeah, my Twitter is uh, go so hard, like G E A U X S O H A R D. Back from my Louisiana roots, and uh, yeah, I just uh, usually tweet some observations of the Magic. Um, just you know, standard stuff, gifts, whatever. Yeah, well, gifts, gifts are the most important thing. Uh, Whoa, uh, you you didn't say GIF? Have no, you given up on that? Did I? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You know what? I'm I'm not I'm not gonna start that argument. Um, a hot dog <laughs> is clearly not a sandwich. Let's let's, end, let's just end it there. Um, uh, Will, thanks so much for coming on the show. Good to have you on. We'll definitely get you on again uh, later on in the season uh, as we get through this 82 game odyssey that we call the NBA. Um, uh, for Will, for me here at Orlando, for for me, Phil Brosmeric at Orlando Magic Daily. Be sure, of course, if you haven't already, to subscribe to the Locked On Magic Podcast. You can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places that you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as follow as follow as like it on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com, as well as follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. The Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag is officially open, uh, so be sure to send me your Orlando Magic questions. You can do so on Twitter at omagicdaily, as well as by email, if that's more comfortable for you, at omagicdaily at gmail.com. I think I got through all those okay. For Will Ogburn of Orlando Pinstripe Post, I'm Philip Rossman-Reich of Orlando Magic Daily. On behalf of Lockdown Magic, thank you all for listening to today's episode of the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast. 
Have a great weekend. The Orlando Magic take on the Phoenix Suns Friday night at 9 o'clock. We'll have complete coverage on orlandomagicdaily.com as I'm sure Orlando Pinstripe Post will have coverage on their site as well. But for now, have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.